The following podcast has the explicit tag. It may contain mature language, situations and violence, and graphic descriptions. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to a tale of blood and stone, a shadow of the Demon Lord actual play. Starring Danny Neary as Eva, a Cambian desperate to escape her ancestry's fate. With Michael Waldschlager III as Four, a centaur-shaped clockwork whose pure heart is leading his quest to find his lost brothers. Also starring Chris Burlew as Terrell, a human whose frail body is fueled by his lust for power. And guiding us through all the corruption and insanity, our Game Master, John Neary. Okay, so this is uh, Tales of Blood and Stone, and the first little section that you guys are going to go through right now is called Welcome to Brildar. So, I'm going to start with Toro. Or is it, how, do you, how would you like that pronounced? Torel? Torel. Torel. All right, very cool. This is just an average morning for you. What do you do in your mornings? Uh, Torel works for the local scribe. He's kind of the apprentice to the local scribe. He gets a lot of what the scribe says is grunt work, but secretly Torel's pretty convinced it's stuff he can't actually decipher. And... As you're heading in to the office, what uh, what do we see? Uh, Terrell is uh, a very small kind of guy, very skinny. Uh, he's kind of sickly looking. His skin is very pale. Uh, you can tell he doesn't get out and see the sunlight very often. His hands are both have constant ink stains on them from all the constant scribing that he's doing and interpreting. As he walks, he's got a staff that he leans on pretty heavy. And it looks like a strong breeze will knock him over. And he's wearing a, a fairly heavy robe at all times because he constantly feels like he's cold. Always cold, even in the summer. Yep. <laughs> all right. Uh, the name, did you have a name for your scribe, your boss, if you will? Tum. T-U-M. All right, Toro, you head into the office, and as you're approaching your, your, the building that you work in, you notice that there is a line of people standing outside. You may, have, you may recognize some of them as merchants who have come through either from Esker, the majority human town, through Brildar, down to uh, Tor... I think you said Torgan, yeah, Torgan. Uh, to pick up a load and to deliver back down. They come through and they, they see you and the scribe to make your translations and to make sure everything is in order. Well, there seems to be a very disgruntled group of people who are lining up and gathering outside of the building. So as you head in, unless you're interested in chatting any of them up, you can head in to go see the, your boss. Uh, Terrell, as he's walking up, basically just waves his hand and just shoes people out of the way. He has zero interest in really talking to people. And it's almost, if he could, he would physically be pushing people out of the way. But that's a futile attempt. A lot of them, they'll give way to you. But you'll hear 
some people saying underneath their breath or even to each other saying that's not what I agree to. This is incorrect. And they're holding some of the documents that you remember seeing. This is incorrect. This isn't how this is supposed to look. And as you walk in the door, you hear someone shouting very similar things, saying, you know, this screwed me out of ten silver shillings. That's food on my children's table. You can't do this to me, Tom. You have to fix this right now. This shipment was two weeks ago. And that's what you hear as you enter. Tyrell just kind of looks at Tom, kind of mumbles under his breath. It doesn't surprise me that he's screwed this up again. He would look up and he's shoot you daggers, and he just continues taking this verbal assault from uh, this large-chested man uh, with very hairy arms, and he's kind of sort of, if he could be poking Tom in the chest, he would be. He sort of finishes his rant, slams the paper down on the table, turns around, and he goes to basically just shoulder through you, not even, like you're not even there. Uh, Terrell does his best to step out of the way. Uh, Yet another brute. Mind is not strong, but the arms are. No wonder you got screwed out of your deal. Tom doesn't even look at you, he just sighs, puts the paper, or he picks up another piece of paper, looks at it, puts it down, and he sits, and he looks up at you, Toral, please, have a seat. Very well. What is it that you need me to do today? I need you to explain to me how all of these translations got screwed up in this manner. And he takes a few papers out and he throws them at you. This is a cute remark, wondering what I screwed up when all of these have your signatures on them. I would find it hard to believe that it, it was my mistake, but let me look at them. You take a peek, and you see that indeed, the first thing you notice is that you indeed signed, signed these orders, but there is something very strange and odd about the way they've been written up. You do not recall these particular ones, and it certainly doesn't look like anything you would have done. Well, Tom, the answer is very easy. These are forgeries. This is not my work. This is nothing I have touched. Uh, can let's do this. Make me a uh, perception roll, please. I have that perception challenge roll. Okay. How does that work, John? Well, he's going to roll a d twenty. He's going to add the value under his perception, the modifier, and then he has to beat a ten. All challenge rolls are made uh, to beat a ten. Okay. Thank you, John. You're welcome, Michael. So I got a whopping seven. A seven. You don't notice anything particular right off the bat. But you do, however, find it strange that something so blatantly incorrect was able to short this guy who was making a shipment so much money. And there's, this, there's a running theme. Some of them have like 50 silver shillings short. It just varies. Uh, it, it comes down to the copper, the copper bits and all of that. Tom says, this needs to be fixed. You saw the line out there. I rarely mess up. You know this. That's why you keep me here. I can take these in the back and figure out where the mistakes were and try to figure out who is the forger. Please do. Perhaps you should think of who your enemies are. Enemies in Brildar. Interesting. We're a a, a go-between, okay? We facilitate these things. This is my entire business. If I had enemies, I would have been out of business years ago. Take this, and he grabs a stack and he hands it to you. Go in the back and see what you can find out. You're clever. You, I, I know that down by down in the tavern, 
You watch people, you take your little notes, well, see what you can figure out about this, because this is screwing me. I'm going to go see some more clients and hopefully retain some of their business. Very well. Good luck. You uh, grab the papers, head up into the back. And we're going to go over to four. Four, what are you doing? This, this beautiful morning. Four is cutting wood outside of a villager's abode. A vill- uh, any particular villager? Mara. She's an older, an older woman, probably in her late 50s, lame in one leg, but uh, she needed some wood to help keep warm at night, and Four was available to assist. She's probably standing out on her front little makeshift porch and watching you with a little stick to keep her up. Oh, thank you, Four. This is wonderful. This is going to help in the coming weeks. I really appreciate it. You are welcome. How has your work been going down on the farm, I wonder? It is work. Keeps you busy, right? Yes, busy. How is your friend feeling there? What was his name again? Forgotten. Jandar? Jandar, yes. He's, he was so handsome back in his day. Oh, I'd heard he had come down with an illness. Is that true? He is not well. well. I hope he has a speedy recovery. Please, the next time you see him, please give him my best. I will inform him of your good wishes. Uh, she reaches out and she hands you three copper pennies. Four looks at the the pennies and places them in a small compartment in his torso. They clearly like kind of jingle around in the, the compartment. Payment was not necessary, but thank you. She smiles uh, and brings her hand up to her mouth and gives this really hoarse cough uh, and says, Oh, please, we don't know how much time we have left on this earth. Take it and buy yourself something nice. And she, you know, thanks you again and slowly walks back into her house. And I would like, uh, as you perhaps walk away from your job, I would uh, invite you to tell us what we see. As Four turns and, and walks away, you would see a large centaur figure, equine, in shape with a human torso. Very large, roughly, what did we say, 8 feet by 12 feet? Mm. And very tall clearly formed of a metal of some sort, a very intricate design, the shape of the torso and the, f- the sculpting of the fur on the equine parts of the, of the clockwork, with uh, what appears to be a real horsehide tail that's been braided. Oh, wonderful. And uh, on the left arm, the hand of the centaur is, is permanently holding what appears to be a large, uh, a large longsword. Yes, very imposing. Uh, a question about the longsword. Is it your actual hand, or can you use... Is that arm just a sword? The hand is molded around the sword. Okay, cool. Okay, so that, that, that arm is pretty much just used for that. So you're doing a lot of this work Correct. one hand. Well, in the case of chopping wood, for example, he was simply using his sword arm to chop wood. Using the sword, yeah. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Awesome. What do you do next? The statement from Mara of buying something nice for himself causes Four to stop in his tracks and contemplate briefly. And briefly for the clockwork could be an hour, it could be two. Time is is fluid somewhat. So 
not far from Mara's home, Four stops dead in his tracks and appears to be staring off into the forest. And some time passes. Mara would probably come back out at some point and see Four still standing there. And then Four, at, at one point, again, probably within the hour, will turn and walk toward uh, the town of Brildar, but more, again, in the outskirts. Uh, Four does not venture deep into the town. Okay, all right, cool. Let's hop over then, Danny. What are you doing? Um, Eva is in her small but quaint house with candles lit around her. There's a beautiful loom that is well kept in the background as you see her working on a delicate lace piece with a needle. Okay, very nice. And what do we see? What is Eva? You see it looks like a tall, beautiful woman long brown hair. She's wearing a, a fancier dress than you would think for sitting in her house. Uh, it's a beautiful handmade black dress that stops at the breast so you can see ample cleavage, but is covered up with a well-made lace pattern up to the neck and lace arms. And even though she's sitting in her house, she's wearing a heavy wool cloak, even though the fireplace is going. And if you zoomed in a little bit on her, you'd see delicate features on her skin, green eyes, but not beautiful green almost sickly green eyes. They kind of have a glow to them. What are you working on in the loom this morning? Uh, In the loom is a piece that the dwarfs have commissioned. Uh, I just got tired of looking at it for the moment and wanted to work on something a little more precise. Is there a specific design? The lace piece I'm working on is a spider web. Ooh, okay, very cool. Make a perception check for me, please. Okay. Um, I'm a bad girl. I didn't put my modifiers, so I have a perception of 11. Okay, that's just one. All the modifiers are just the ability score minus 10. Okay. Well, that works. So I got a 16 total. All right. You go to, to begin working on your piece this morning, and you notice that the loom has been advanced a little bit. There is a very interesting change in the pattern that you were doing where the spider web uh, has stopped being a spider web. Someone or something or somehow the loom continued and is starting to create something under its own volition, it seems. Um, it's actually moving on its own or it's just set nope, there? it's not moving right now. You just notice that the work that you had started, the loom has advanced past it and is starting to do something else. Like it was almost like someone sat down and started weaving something else into your spider pattern going to examine what the changes are it has gone a few uh rows (laughs) rows of 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 line and it's used black yarn and it's gone up a little while and you see the the hints of a red yarn being interspersed but nothing is actually showing yet hmm familiar colors to me (laughs) you've used black and red before in other things but this is not you wouldn't do this i'm gonna go check the doors um and make sure nobody's been in the house while i've been sleeping in the such okay uh yeah you do you do a quick check around and it does not appear that anyone has entered your place eva has an interesting background so this is quite alarming to her um as she blows out all the candles quickly and shuts her shades do you want to elaborate on that interesting background at all if you would like me to. So uh, Eva is a Cambian. She is born of a devil and a human. So she doesn't quite belong in this place where she's at. She's just keeping a, a low cover, but she does know of other things that are out there and 
more of the dark than most people would. Do you know your parents, Eva? I know my adopted parents. Oh, yeah. What were they like? Uh, they were very good to me until I killed their son. Excuse me? He just wouldn't stop crying. And I just wanted my parents to get some sleep. So I took his head and I hid it on the hearth. And then I hid it again and again and again. And then I showed my parents the brains and said, He's quiet, Mom and Dad. I did it. He's quiet. What did they do? They, they tried to love me. But that didn't work, did it? This is a confessional here. I, Eva spent a lot of time with her um, adopted grandmother. Does she have a name? I'm sure she does. Okay. <laughs> All right. So this, you find this situation going on in your loom. Why don't you do me a favor and why don't you give me a will challenge roll right now? Okay. Um, that's a negative one, I'm assuming, if it's a nine. If it's a nine, it's a negative one. I still got a 13, oh, and that's lucky. yes. Okay, so you pass. So you're all set. You were making a roll to avoid getting a little bit of insanity. Oh. She's probably going to sit for a little bit and then go visit one of the few people she can actually talk to, um, Torrell, who lets her borrow books. But she has to make sure that his boss is not around when she does. All right, that's perfect. So we'll head, we'll, we'll sweep back over to Torrell. Torrell, you've spent... A little while, you're hearing a lot of yelling and screaming outside with Tom. And you're poring over these documents, and it's just not your work. And you've, you've taken a good amount of time, so you're able to sort of discern that there is something going on with the wording. And you also will start to see some sort of a pattern. What's your intellect? Uh, Twelve. Twelve. And your professions? Oh, academic and common. There is a pattern that is hidden amongst some sort of unnatural, some sort of unnatural circumstance. Can I take a separate piece of paper and start to write out that pattern and see if the pattern itself spells out something different? You can. I would like an intellect challenge roll with a boon, which is a d6 that is rolled, and the result of the roll is added to the d20 roll. All right. That's an, uh, wow. an 11 total. Perfect! You made it. <laughs> You're smart enough to realize that this, these documents have been magically altered. And the pattern that you start to see is a message. And as you kind of, you know, you go through it, there is a bounty being put out on a Cambian who lives in Brildar. Hmm. Oh, a gold dragon. This town deals with copper pennies. Copper pennies are broken down into bits, and then, you know, 10 copper pennies equals one silver shilling. 10 silver shillings equals one gold dragon. Silver shillings is the most common currency, but in Brildar, you're dealing predominantly with copper pennies. And then a lot of the, a lot of the larger contracts, especially that come through this office, bump up into the silver shilling range, which is why there's so many pissed off people outside of Tum's uh, scribe office. Okay. You're able to uncover this code. Bounty, one gold dragon on a Cambian who is, lives in Brildar. Can I decipher who put out the bounty? You cannot, except if you want to give me another intellect challenge roll with a Bane, uh, I'll give you a chance. A Bane, by the way, is a d6 roll that is subtracted from the d20 roll. Again, you have to beat a 10. Uh, 15. I rolled well. A 15! Yes. Excellent. 
So you do. You find hidden within the code once again a series of letters that don't seem to pronounce anything, but it's referred to a number of times throughout this, these documents. But I mean, it's it looks like a, it just looks like a garble to you. Like you're like this is you can't seem to figure out exactly what the actual name is, but you have the characters isolated. Okay. And obviously, there's only probably only one Cambian in Brildar, so you know who, exactly who that is. Yep. Does he? Oh, is it? You just a said, good question. Yep. I thought you just said you go you knew him. No, I do. But did I reveal? We probably chat. He probably knows a little bit more about me. Well, he's he's smart. Twelve intellect is good. It, that's very very good at this point. Well, I guess that's a question, right? Has Eva revealed her true nature to anyone in town? Ooh. Did you want to? I mean, I, 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 you ha, I feel like you have a look about you, a certain Innsmouth look. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely do, and I don't think it would be very difficult for Terrell there to put together the pieces. How common are Cambians in the world? I don't think very, and I don't think they're very well liked. I'll just say that Eva, depending on how widespread it is known that you are one. People probably don't know if they've seen many, but you're probably the only one in Brildar. So you're heading over to see Toril? Before I do, I had previously blown out all my candles. I am lighting one and taking a knife out from my cloak. And I cut my hands and hold it together. And I hold it over the candle. And Eva says, Demon Lord... They will not send me to hell. I am no devil's property. Demon Lord, intervene. They are here to take me, and they will not take me in one piece. And she squeezes blood into the candle. Has this ever worked before? No. <laughs> well. <laughs> I, feel, I, I, feel like you, I feel like you put the candle out every single time. <laughs> Absolutely. But it makes her feel better. Yes. So it's like woo. the blood dribble dribbles dribbles from your hand, hits the flame, and coagulates immediately around the flame, freezing it in place. Eva's eyes start to glow, and her if you were looking down at the scene, you'd see her cloak behind her start to fluff out, and she shakes her head and she like looks like she's fighting something, and a big smile comes across her face. And the cloak calms down, and she blows out the candle. And nothing happens because it's a solidified, coagulated blood flame. Oh, that's sexier than I thought. Um, oh, cool. <laughs> she smiles, and then she, she'll get up and she will head out the door. All right, let's hop back over to four. Four! Are you still standing in the field? I think that I feel like <laughs> you might be just still considering what the hell... Four was trying to decide what to do next with the the few pennies he'd been paid. It was recommended that he go buy himself something, so he was going to try to find a small vendor to buy himself something. Mm, okay, well, there's 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 quite a few small vendors. Uh, there is a uh, a place. It's, it's Lyris is the woman's name who runs it, and it's it's got a lot of exotic. Sense. She does. She deals in aromas. So there's a lot of that. There's that. Every time you go by it, you may smell some, some something odd coming out of it. There's a little knickknack shop called, you know, Cricket's Knickknacks. That's another place. Are you thinking of anything in, in particular? 
Honestly, the fragrance shop intrigues four. Oh. He's heading to see Lyris in her fragrance shop. It's a pretty nice shop. You, you, you head in there and you immediately are overcome with all kinds of different uh, experiences. As soon as you walk in, you feel calm. You feel uplifted. And there's like a little rack off to the right where there's a bunch of vials that have things and it's, it's a bit, pretty much labeled as like, you know, calming oil. It goes back deep a little ways. There's other racks with vials all over the place. And as you would travel through, you would get different smells and you would see the racks and, you know, you know, you know, aphrodisiac, you know, relaxation. Do clockwork smell? So I'll, I'm going to go to say that there's nothing in the book that says that they can't. Ah. And technically, all clockworks are animated from an essence from a former person or former yeah. being. So you you are a being, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm going to say that yes, he has a, a scent, a sense of smell. Uh, but he does have a sense of smell. He can, you know, he can smell aromas and odors, and he may not find certain things like, for example, the a rotting smell may not be displeasurable to him because he doesn't have a stomach. It doesn't have a digestive system, so he doesn't get that type of feedback. But he may be able to tell the smell of something pleasant from something unpleasant. This this might be important for the future. I'm just curious. Do you feel pleasure? Like physical pleasure? Um, or maybe we need to explore this path later on. Well, I mean, not saying we do. Well, the, the fact is the clockwork can feel pain, so I would assume that they can also okay. feel pleasure. For all intensive porpoises, they are creatures. While okay. they while, while they're, they're animated, yes. Yeah. Okay. Every everything is the same. So okay. yeah. So I imagine yeah. I imagine four approaching this this shop and puzzling at how to get in the door. So he tries his best to crouch and kind of pull his arms in as tight as he can. And upon entering this 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 small building, I mean, it's filled with little glass vials and small decanters, and he he does feel like an equine in a very delicate shop. <laughs> Some sort of creature in a shop. He yes. <laughs> he kind of stops halfway in the door, realizing that he's about to walk into a place that he could easily destroy, and. Looks to Lyris, who I assume, I would imagine is probably wandering around the small space, you know, putting out new scents or or smelling some of her her own concoctions and being impressed with herself. She's helping a mo- a, a woman who has this little kid, a, a little boy, who just has his hands up and he's grabbing onto her shirt. And as you start this process of walking into the building, his head just shoots towards you. His eyes go wide, uh, mouth drops, and he's watching you, just watching you frozen as his mother is speaking with Lyris. And they both look at you, and Lyris's eyes go a little wide, and she continues with with the woman, but she's sort of giving you a side eye, because I, mean, I imagine you haven't been in here before. No. No. So she's giving you a side eye, but she's still helping, she's helping the customer. I imagine that I've likely gathered flora for her from the forest. Oh sure, she, yeah, she she recognizes mm-hmm. you from, you know, I need this 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 and this, and you're able to find it, and absolutely, yep, she recognizes you, but you've never been in here. Locking eyes with the child, four stops dead in his tracks. Four doesn't have facial expressions. His his head is a is a shaped faceplate. It's very ornately designed, it's very intricate, very beautiful, but has no facial features whatsoever. 
but he's locking locked sight with this child who's staring at him and four raises his his right arm and flexes his fingers in a in a wave motion and then takes one finger and moves it to where his mouth would be on the faceplate and acts tries to make a quiet gesture the little boy his face doesn't change his hand comes up and gives the waving gesture and then he nods very slowly and puts his hand back down by his side. And you see the knuckles on the hand that is gripping his mother's shirt go a little white as he grabs her shirt a little tighter. He seems frightened, but not like horrified to the point of like you've traumatized him. He's just like in awe. Four continues to, to, to look forward, waiting for uh, Lyris to finish her business with the woman. Awesome. And eventually it does. Uh, the, the woman ends up leaving with three vials. Uh, and she says, okay, come come along now. Come along. And she hurries him by. And she gives you a, a nod as she goes by. Four realizes he's literally blocking the doorway. <laughs> yes. And she's standing there like, hello, trying to be courteous. And now Four has the distinct challenge of trying to back out of this door. He does so. Would you like me to make a roll for it? I, I was going to say, would you like to make I a roll? Think, I think not, that's, not, <laughs> yes, I think so. Please make a, a challenge roll. Uh, a, a might or agil- agility? Agility, I think. Yeah, agility. Let's do agility. And I want to say, uh, nah, straight up, straight up, straight up. So to, uh, to be clear, my sheet has an agility of eight. So you subtract two. So that's my modifier. Yep, that's your modifiers on minus okay. two. So that puts me to 16. Okay. All right, cool. Oh, you, you've deftly, like, I, I, well, actually, why don't you tell us how it looks, how you very agilely avoid knocking over, like, one-third of her <laughs> Again, realizing he's blocking the door completely for kind of folds his arms in uh, across his chest, bends forward, and takes a few steps backward through the door, uh, the back of his helmet grazing the upper doorway uh, but causing no actual damage and he manages to extricate himself from the hut without uh, without any undue challenge the little boy's eyes go even wider as he is just he goes from this like fearful awe to this impressed just he's heard stories about you and now he's getting to see you and you are everything and more of what he thought you would be and they walk down the street, crowded little crowded street, as it's getting to be the morning and everyone's going. Um, and you head back in. Yes. All right. Uh, Lyris is, is standing there. She's looking at you, sort of not really worried, just kind of just concerned overall. And said, "Four, it is. It's so wonderful to see you. What uh, what brings you to my uh, humble shop this day?" Good day, Lyris. I completed work for Mara. She has paid me and suggested I buy myself a a gift or token. Oh, and you thought of and you thought of me, moi. Please, what do you uh, what, what 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 did you have in mind? I would enjoy sampling your more fragrant wares. She looks a little confused and looks around. And says, "My dear, for everything in here is fragrant." Ah, yes. Perhaps something floral. Ah, floral. Excellent. She 
walks behind her desk and she pulls out a drawer and lifts up this basket and puts the basket on the table. Says, here's some samples of some of my more floral arrangements. She pops open a couple of bottles and hands them to you and you might go and, 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 you know, as you pass them under your nose or where your nose would be, whatever your smelling sensor is, uh, you put it underneath and it's like, oh, that's, you know, that's that's a flower that you've gotten for her in the past. This is a, a scent that you've helped her create by procuring what she needed to get it. And there's a couple other that are more subdued, violet, uh, uh, flower smells, flower smells <laughs> of the floral variety. The scent that contains the violet sparks something in four. It smells very familiar as though he has smelled it in the past, but he cannot quite place where he would have smelled this before. However, he keeps getting drawn back to that particular vial. Yes, you probably go back to it two or three times. On the third time that you grab it, the, you, you take a, a larger whiff, possibly, than, than you had the, the, the previous two times, and something from the middle of your chest sort of kind of stops and, 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 and drops a little bit. It shrinks down, and you feel your brothers. You feel them next to you. It's, it's more of just a, a, a passing sort of, you know, this is something that I have felt before, and, and you see these flowers being draped down across you and your brothers and then you realize that it's the flowers that you've picked to help her get this violet scent and then you snap back to it. This. This will do. Oh, that... I, you know, you, you said Mara paid you? Yes. <laughs> I I don't think I've I don't think you've ever let me pay you before. I can't accept any of your money for this. Please take this vial and I don't want to hear another word about it. Are you certain? I am I am positive. Thank you. And she smiles and for nods and kind of I would almost say bows forward a bit in the as his equine legs kind of bend forward to give him a bit of a bow and then he turns very carefully to walk himself out of the shop let's danny you're heading to go see or eva excuse me you are heading to go see toro you get there and you see that there's a line of people outside of the shop very angry outside of the scribe's shop that you have gone to before to see your friend Toro. What do you do? Um, kind of step into the shadows and see if I can, not so much step in the shadows, but try and go a little bit unnoticed and listen and see what they're angry about. Mmm. Okay, so you're going to try to eavesdrop. Why don't you give me one yes. of them, uh, why don't you give me an agility roll to be kind of stealthy. See okay. Are you trying to be unnoticed, or are you just trying to... Well, I'm drop? just not, like, butting right into the crowd. Yeah, yeah, I'm just me, I mean, agility back. roll, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll i give you a boon, too, yeah. just, be, oh, just because they're help. pretty preoccupied. Yeah, no. You didn't? No. What'd you roll? Uh, I rolled a six total. A six total, okay. Um, the reason why I asked is because there's nothing explicit in the rules that actually say if you go negative... 
any something bad is supposed to happen, but I like to I like to do that. So you roll the six, you fail. They notice you, and a few of them stop talking. A few of them don't stop talking. You hear a lot of the same stuff that was mentioned before about how you know I've been screwed out of thirty silver shillings. This you Tom really you know fucked this up big time. And a few the few that look at you. There's one in particular, a man steps forward, and he sort of towers over you and says, What are you looking at? I was seeing what this line was about. I had a question for Master Torrell about a project I'm working on for him. You can get in the back of the line if you want to see one of these guys. We were here first, and we've got a bone to pick with him. Please be gentle. He owes me some money, as I'm sure all of he us. He owes you money, too? And they come and go, oh, How much money does he owe you? Well, it was a down payment. He needs to pay me for the finished product, as all people do. I will get my place in the back of the line. You're that weaver, aren't you? That the dwarves come around and see. I am. Yeah. What do they want with you? I never trusted them myself. They appreciate good handiwork. I'm a carpenter. I appreciate good handiwork. Well, then perhaps I should drape you or your wife in some beautiful fabric one day. Oh, oh. Oof. Well, uh, and you, you see him, like, kind of, like, struggling in his mind to think, like, oh, if my wife, she would probably enjoy something like that. Well, maybe I'll come down and I'll, I'll see you some, sometime. Fine. Is he at the front of the line? Yeah, it's, like, like three quarters up. There's probably about eight people in front of him to get inside. Perhaps I can stand next to you and, um, I'll have a discount on making your wife some finery. Uh... Yeah, give me a give me a thing. Give me an intellect roll to convince him. I give you a boon. Cause I got nice boobs. Oh, uh, yeah, I got a twenty-five. Okay. A nineteen plus six. That's almost. So I sort of locked ice. myself into saying when you go below zero, the bad thing happens. So we'll say that when you go above twenty, <laughs> sort of have to give you a good thing. He pushes you to the front of the line so you can get right in. Okay. He says, oh my god, if you give me a bonus, man, if you give me some sort of a discount, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come see you. You remember me, my name is Hagar, okay? You remember me, Hagar, I'm coming to see you. You get to the front of the line, no one really questions it, and you get right in. So now you're inside, and there's someone yelling at Tom, but you know where Toril's office is. Okay, I'm gonna head up to Toril's office. Alright. Toril! She walks in the door! Toril's all hunched over looking at these papers, and he hears movement, and he looks up. Ah, just the person I need to talk to. And I apologize, as I know this is not our usual meeting place, but I need to speak with you as well. Sh- shut the door. The uh, other voices that are coming out from the other room will disturb us. Yes, quite. And clicks it very quietly. And is there a chair? There's the one that Torrell's sitting in. Probably okay, not another, another one, one because he doesn't want company. <laughs> okay, all right. So he's not going to be real inviting. <laughs> all right, and she she moves closer to the desk so she doesn't have to speak loudly. Not a gentleman, that Torrell. No. <laughs> no. Not at all. Torrell hands over a couple pieces of paper. So, let me ask you this. Why does somebody have a bounty out for you? I've done nothing wrong in this town. They're offering one gold dragon. 
I'm afraid that means I may have to be moving on again, if I'm found out. Well, fortunately, I'm the only one that has been able to decipher the code. Where? What? What? How, how did you find this out? It would take me far too long to explain to you how I understand this. But let's just say that magic has been infused into the writing. Magic, you say? Yes. There has been magic in my house. My loom has started making its own pattern. No one has been in my house. Nothing strange out of the ordinary. Although I would say it could either be a sign they are out to get me, or that my prayers have been answered. What prayers? You will not judge harshly. I never do. The demon lord, he's my only way to be saved. If you don't mind me jumping in, the Toral, the, the, the demon lord situation, she mentions the demon lord to you. You've probably heard of the cult of the, the demon lord and you know, various religions that are seeking to kind of bring him along but have a distorted view of what it is. But it's basically like you've heard it referred to as the destroyer, the ender of all things. Okay. How is he going to save you? You, you know of my nature. I don't know if you know all of it. I am damned to hell. There is no redemption for me. There is no saving. I will not embrace the heritage that is the Cambian. The only way to fight a devil is with a demon, wouldn't you think? It makes perfect sense to me. Or you could just outsmart them. If you gain power beyond theirs, then you can control them. And the demon lord, he will help me with that. <laughs> You're thinking too small. Too small? I said you can control them. And she looks at you and her eyes start to glow a little and her cloak starts to like twitch and lift up. You've seen signs of her, her cloak moving on its own before, but... In here is some characters that I cannot decipher. Can you? And I'll show her the characters of the uh, whoever put the bounty out on her. What uh, languages do you read and or write? I think just common. Just common? I think so. Although I do, one of my trades is Knowledge of Occult, because those are the books that I've been borrowing from Torell. Oh. I'm trying to research. One of your, your professions, you mean? Professions. One of my two professions. Was it Knowledge of the Occult? Yes. All right. You recognize it for what it is, and it is like a variation on uh, dark speech. What is that? Is it a general consensus that the Demon Lord is a bad thing? Probably a majority consensus, but okay. there are people who think that... There are areas who think, and you probably, for your own justification, ascribe to the, the Demon Lord as a necessary change that is coming to cleanse. Because, I mean, I mean things are awful. Things are horrible. Broldar, is a, it's, a, it's as nice a town as it can be, but... There's still some pretty desolate situations going on. Dark speech. What's that? Well, it's stuff that you've seen in your books. Okay. And you don't, you're, you're unable to read it yet. I mean, you've tried to pronounce some of the things. You have no idea to know if you're right or not. But what is the origin of dark speak? Like dark where speech? It comes... Well, demon dark stuff. Speech. Oh, okay. Yeah, forbidden. Forbidden knowledge, forbidden lore, all of that. From demons. Mm -hmm. She puts her hands on the papers, on puts them down on the desk, puts her hands on them, and leans forward 
says Torel, this writing here, I cannot understand it, but it is dark speech. It is an infernal language. Well, the only way to find out who is after you would be to find somebody who can decipher this. Do you know somebody who can? My grandmother, but she is several towns away, and I do not know if she's even alive. I cannot go there alone. I cannot even go to that town. They will they will burn me alive. I may have had some outbursts there. I can only imagine. Sometimes it just takes over, and I try my best. You know I do. Yes. We all have our crosses to bear. This this magic that's come to town, I do not think this peaceful town will be peaceful much longer. Not once word of the bounty is out. The brutes will come to collect one gold dragon reward. Can you come to my place tonight and bring some of your books? Perhaps we can use them to translate this. I will see what I can find. Toro, make an intellect challenge roll for me, please. Ooh, 19. You are pretty sure that whoever was supposed to see these hasn't seen them yet. This, these are the original documents. They've been sent back, and they, were, they went through the system, but they never got to who they were supposed to get to, because this is all just in the hands of these shipping assholes. Okay. So whatever message is encoded, this whole thing about the bounty, you're pretty much the only one, and now Eva is the only one who really knows about it. Yes, I will join you in your home this evening. For now, I must recreate these documents in a way that will satisfy the people out there. Yes, they seem quite angry. Best of luck. I will see you later. And thank you. Think nothing of it. Four. Where are you off to with your new violet scent? Four is making his way uh, through the outskirts of the town, back toward the forest. Uh, He's purchased himself the boon that uh, Mara said he should, and uh, he feels that it's time for him to return back to his his forest abode, his clearing, his space. So you're heading back. Uh, you, 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 you're getting close, and you notice that there is a young uh, man who is pacing back and forth in front of your dwelling. He hasn't noticed you yet. You're a little far off. Is the young man familiar? Uh, yes. He's a uh, hand, like a farm hand, and your farmer buddies, uh, where you probably do the majority of your work, he's a hand there. His name is Christopher. Recognizing Christopher 4 will make no attempt to hide his approach. He can't really hide his approach anyway, as he's quite heavy and makes a lot of sound when he moves. He will approach his dwelling and call out to Christopher. Christopher, how may I assist you? Four! And he begins to sort of run towards you. Four! Oh, you must come see him. He is sick and he is calling for you. I know you were heading back home and it is sort of getting to to midday, but I, I would really appreciate it if you come. He is asking for you personally. Of course. Please lead the way. Excellent. So you, he leads the way. He's, he's running. You can totally outrun him, but you perhaps stay 
uncharacteristically, Four will actually like kind of grab Christopher by the scruff of his shirt and lift him toward his his hindquarters where he could take a seat. And four and four will will run toward the uh, old farmer's abode. Tales of Blood and Stone is played using the Shadow of the Demon Lord system by Schwab Entertainment. For more information, delve into the darkness at schwabentertainment.com. If you enjoyed the music you heard during this episode, head over to battlebards.com for even more.